Last week, we had looked at some leadership principles through the scripture and acknowledged that the Lord had um, appointed different ones to lead groups of people, but also there were different layers of leadership and styles and things going on so that there was an interconnectedness uh, at the same time. It wasn't just one specific system. This week, I want to look at some of the New Testament approach and again say this isn't the whole package, but it, it's another facet of this. So, um, when, when Paul is getting ready to um, establish leadership in some of the communities where outreaches have been done, he addresses two men in particular in uh, the scripture and says, okay, I want you to go and appoint elders in each of these towns and deacons, and I want you to see this through. And so there's a, an a awareness that Paul is telling Timothy or Titus to appoint others, and he, he gives a principle in Timothy at one point and says, uh, I want you to train reliable men so that they can train others. And so there is this multiplication process that, that is formulated in his thinking. But we need to note that it isn't just one specific system in the New Testament. Um, to, to get there, in some ways it'd be much much simpler for us to say, oh, this is the way every time, this is exactly how it is. But that form of law or specificness just is not always there in Scripture. I'll give you some examples. Um, Peter, when he addresses elders in First Peter, he says, um, so as your fellow elder... So he's taking on that name as well. Now he's also been one of the disciples. He's known as an apostle. So he, there's three titles there at least. And then later on he's going to say, be good shepherds of God, or pastors, and as a fellow shepherd. So in other words, there's four different titles there we see regarding leadership, and, and he in a sense carries all of those. So... Again, it's not as plain and simple as maybe we would like it to be. Um, also, even in the appointing, when, when the gathering in the upper room of about 120 people is taking place, Peter stands up. These, this is the, the, the first beginnings of the, of the New Testament church, right? Peter stands up and he goes, oh, we need to replace Judas. Now, when I'm reading that, I'm not sure why. <laughs> you know, is that 12 a special number? Is there an understanding that they had of eternal perspective that would even extend into eternity? Not sure. But there is a declaration made going, um, we need to replace this guy. And so... They talk among the group and they go, okay, here's a couple guys that, that seem to fit the bill. They, they were 
at the baptism of Jesus and where his ministry starts, you know, and there's an acknowledgement from heaven over him. And they were also there at the resurrection, so they, they got the full story, so to speak. And what they do is they cast lots. In other words, they, um, flip a coin. Which one do you want, God? And that's, that's how they land on Matthias. So um, that's a little bit different than what Paul's addressing. You know, he's not saying go through the towns, flip coins, and see, see who it is. Um, in the same way, when the, the first deacons are appointed, there's a problem going on in the church. Remember, they had very rapid growth. Several thousand people just are suddenly in their midst, and they're trying to do their best to look after widows and, and provide, you know, their people are, are bringing money to the apostles and saying, here, use it however it's needed. And what happens is the, the Grecian Christians, uh, Jewish Christians are saying, uh, we're not getting treated the same way as the Hebrews. And uh, the apostles recognize the problem. They say, well, select some people that you consider worthy of this. They're blameless, full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they do things well. Um, and, you know, they bring seven men that um, are, all have Greek names. <laughs> so they bring those guys and the apostles pray over them and say, okay, we're going to release ministry or give ministry to these folks. So different systems going on. Where Paul gets with this, and he says, I want you to appoint elders in every town, he starts walking through some things that he wants these guys to be looking for. And I'd like to focus on that for the next few minutes. He says uh, in the sixth verse, an elder must be blameless. Husband of one wife, um, I think this is in regard to not being a polygamist. I'm not exactly sure how that that fit in that day. There's some saying, well, it, he, he shouldn't have ever been divorced. I, I, I don't read that into this, but I, it may be that that's what it is. Nevertheless, he's saying husband of one wife, and he needs to, uh, with faithful children who cannot be charged with dissipation or rebellion. In other words... Find somebody that is managing their family and marriage well and then use that as a consideration point. So in some ways you're saying if somebody can do this on a, a smaller level, they have a better chance of doing it well on a larger level as well. And so if, if, they, haven't, if they haven't been taking care of their own family or overseeing them in a way that's healthy, why would you want to promote them to leadership in another setting? So he says the overseer must be blameless, is one entrusted with God's work, not arrogant, not prone to anger, not a drunkard, not violent, not greedy for gain. So he just lays out some things of character and says these things need to be in place if you're going to elevate someone into leadership. Instead, he must be hospitable, devoted to what is good, sensible, upright, devout, and self-controlled. So this is, these are the things you're looking for. You don't want somebody that 
uh, exudes a pride about them that uh, is demeaning of others. You, you don't want somebody that's just chasing money. You don't want somebody that, that has a, an anger that blows out at others. Uh, that's just not healthy. And so he's, he's starting, you know, he has in mind a, a person that he says, this is what you're looking for. Um, it says he must hold firmly to the faithful message that is as it has been taught so that he'll be able to give exhortation and such healthy teaching and correct those who speak against it. So he's saying part of the, the role is presenting the doctrine in purity but also being willing to, to stand up and say this is incorrect if others take a different approach. Um, he says, he goes on and he says, uh, there are a lot of people that are rebellious, idle talkers and deceivers, especially those with Jewish connections. And he's talking of that day, saying, you know, they're trying to pull in the, the heritage that has been moved past in, in the work of Christ. Um, there, <laughs> there is one amazing comment that comes out in this section, and he goes, you know, even the, the, the Christian's own writers have made this declaration. They're all liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. He says, culturally, that's the setting that Christianity is growing in in this area. So <laughs> he, he's saying, in some ways, there's a deficit of character that is about this people group but the goal in Christ is to move in a different direction. So, you know, when we, when we talk in our settings of, well, it seems that our culture is in decline and there are things that aren't going well, um, that is not surprising to the church and it is not a new thing. It's something that has been, you know, a part of Christianity for centuries. And yet there's an awareness that if, if we want health in our groups, then we need to, to look at leadership that is exuding a character that's worthy of following. Um, let's go on to 1 Timothy, because the two books apparently were written about the same time, and, and he's just addressing slightly different situations. Um, Timothy most likely was in Ephesus, which was one of the major churches of that day. So... Um, it has a slightly different context, but even so, he says if somebody aspires to the office of overseer or elder, overseer, those are used interchangeably in different translations, but he says that's a good thing. You know, it's, it's a good desire. But he says the overseer must be above reproach. Again, husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, uh, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, gentle, not contentious, free from the love of money. So very similar things, right? Just saying the character needs to be put in place. So it's, it's not putting somebody into position and say, well, hopefully they'll develop enough to, to form good character. He's saying spot the character and then use that as part of your decision-making process. Um, must manage his own household well, keep his children in control with, without losing his dignity. Interesting phrasing. 
Someone <laughs> ever lost your dignity? <laughs> Plenty of times. <laughs> Someone who does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church of God? He goes, if, if you can't live it out at home or figure it out, how on earth are you going to do it with a larger setting? It's, it just <laughs> it's a good insight. Must not be a recent convert or he'll become arrogant. So again, it's like if elevation comes too quickly, there's kind of a, yeah, I really have achieved all this and my gifts are really making the door open. And he's just going, that's, that's not a healthy thing. In the end, it'll bite you. So um, he goes on then and says, he must be well thought of by those outside the faith. So again, here's a community connect that says um, there's a responsibility to have a, a relationship in the community that is well thought of as well. This isn't just a, um, an opportunity inside and in thinking, well, yeah, you know, he, he sure, you know, he sure prays well and he sure, you know, does the church thing well. But there's an awareness that there's more to it than this. And you want to have somebody that's respected in the community so that they're not going to be bringing, uh, they're not going to be despised in regard to the church. So again, he's telling these guys, these are character things that you're looking for. Um, deacons. And again, this is uh, the New Testament initial approach was assigning people to tasks. We probably here are going to use the term team leader. It's a similar thing. I don't feel bound to that term. Uh, deacon in the New Testament was the same as wait staff. You know, it, it was that idea of a, somebody who looks over tables. Uh, it, and for the first deacons, it was very appropriate, right? They're handing out food. So in that regard, it's that servant mentality. And I, I think I'm going to go chase that in a, a few weeks ahead because it, that principle is so important to the New Testament church, and it's something that runs counterculture to who we are as a people. And yet, um, they saw this in a different light than what generally is, is seen by us in natural settings. So it goes on. Must be dignified, not two-faced, not given to excessive drinking, not greedy for gain. High standard. <laughs> I love that, you know, they're, they're sorting this out. And, yeah, we really don't need a drunk, you know, making decisions and and we don't want somebody that's just greedy uh no that's not good and and uh two-faced yeah if they're just a liar it just doesn't work all that well you know <laughs> you'd think well duh well but he's just laying it out and uh they they need to hold to the to the mystery of faith with a clear conscience in other words, they, they need to have settled these doctrinal truths and be, be solid in belief, so to speak, and say that, um, yeah, I believe Jesus is the Christ. I believe that He came to earth and died for my sin. I believe that He 
wants me to develop to be like him in his example. You know, those, those core issues that, that you look at and you go, he needs to have that settled. Um, going on. It says, these also must be tested first and then let them serve as deacons if they're found to be blameless. In other words, do an evaluation. Make sure that this is just a guess, but uh, get some input here. Likewise, their wives must be dignified, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in every respect. Um, Deacons must be the husbands of one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. Now, here's an interesting thing. This is a target that he's giving them, but most likely Paul's not married, right? At least in that moment. And we don't ever hear of children in his case. And Timothy, there's no mention of him having a wife either. So again, they're moving towards something and they're saying, in the community, this is going to be the best selection for you. But, you know, to, to say that this is the only thing that can be done um, kind of leaves it open for discussion, right? So that said, um, continuing on with this list, it says, For those who have served well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. The only other thing that I want to toss in is that when the first deacons were appointed, these table waiters, so to speak, the next few chapters of Scripture are ones where you see them stepping up in significant spiritual leadership of the church as well. And so it's like, they, they took the menial task, they applied themselves to it, but God also brought them into significant spiritual ministry. You see Stephen and his testimony in dying as a martyr for the church. You see Philip and just some crazy things taking place through his life, uh, being transported places and bringing revival into different regions. And you're going, okay, God took faithful, blameless people who were applying themselves to the tasks around them, but he also gave them ministry and carried this on. So that's as far as I want to go with this today. (laughs) We're going to continue to to delve into these things, but um, there's still, I'll just mention, there appears to be a hierarchical form in Scripture, even though all were holy, all had the gifting of God, all had um, gifts from the Lord, he still had an authority structure that he left in place, even with the New Testament that way. And as we had looked last week, you know, with Miriam and and Aaron challenging Moses, where they, they were leaders in their own rights, but God said, no, this is the one who I have appointed here, and and... You know, there were repercussions. And in the same way with Korah's rebellion. So, you know, through Scripture, you see this in place. And we're going, yeah, well, in our culture, we don't like having any kind of leadership. 
too bad. You know, that's... Are we attempting to follow the Lord or are we attempting to do what we want? And that's, you know, the challenge in front of us is saying, okay, God, what, what are your desires? Um, also, the, you know, the, the New Testament writers placed a premium on character and uh, in those decision-making times. And character and doctrine, you know, and so... Those are things that, that we don't step away from as well. Um, you know, the terms, there's obviously some variation, and the practice, there's some variation. Um, so I think, you know, in a sense, you have to find your own path in walking through this. But uh, I, I just, I put that out. I'm going to continue to dwell on these things. In some ways, it's easier for me to go after this when I am moving towards stepping out of leadership. Because it's not that, well, he wants it this way. <laughs> no, I, it's easy to, to, in a sense, look at the scripture and unfold it and say, this is what is. You know, and just to walk forward in that. So, Lord, we thank you for your scripture that speaks life. We thank you for the examples that were set before us. We ask, Lord, that you'll give us wisdom as we walk ahead. That as we look at leadership and we look at uh, organization of the church and structure that way, we ask for your wisdom and that we would honor you with uh, both the, the leaders that are selected but also through leadership as it works within this congregation. Amen. I want to pray for God's blessing upon you. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to walk in your presence. I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others, enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom, gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day.